0: You may be in your living room, you may be in your bedroom, you may be in your den, you may be in your car, you may be outside on the porch watching the service this morning, but wherever you are, we just want you to know how much we appreciate you joining with us. You know, we only have a handful of people in here, but there's thousands that are watching all over the world. In fact, it is absolutely amazing. I'm able to preach to more people. without going anywhere than when I normally go all over the country. You know, uh, right now, there may be 1,000, 1, thousand, fifteen hundred people that are watching right now. But before this week is up, there will be thousands. They'll communicate with us from all over the world. And if you're one of them, I want you to know how much I appreciate you watching the broadcast or watching the service, rather. I've got TV on my mind. I've got to do TV next week. And, uh, but we appreciate you watching the service this morning and we trust that you will be blessed and inspired in your faith. Amen. Say it one more time. My God, my God is the faithful God. And can you give him a praise one more time? Hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Before I get started this morning, uh, my little sister is watching the program today from her home and, uh, Today is her birthday. And Shirley, I want to say happy birthday to you. Now, I'm not going to tell you, uh, the audience, how old she is, but I'm 73, and I'm three years older than her. Okay? Praise the Lord. Amen. I cannot believe. Shirley, I can believe I'm 73, but I can't believe you're 70. Uh Oh, I told him. but we made it. Praise God. Amen. And we got plenty more years to go. Hallelujah. Amen. And there's something else I want to do. I'm not sure that they'll be watching live right now, but I know they will be watching it later. And uh, a dear friend of mine that God used many, many years ago to make a dream come true for me. Growing up, my dad raced automobiles and built hot rods and I grew up on racetracks. And and, uh, my dream as a little boy was to go to the Indy 500. Oh, I wanted to go to the Indy 500 so bad. And uh, dad tried to make it happen for me uh, when I graduated from high school in 1964. He was going to do his best to get us to the Indy 500. That was going to be my graduation present. And he did everything he knew to do, but he just couldn't get us there. And he was disappointed, and he knew that it would be a letdown for me. But, you know, it's something I always wanted to do. Well, after I came to the Lord, I, I kind of just released that, you know. Uh, I watched it every year on television. And uh, But, you know, it wasn't a priority anymore. If I got to go someday, wonderful. If I didn't... It wasn't going to kill me, okay? And so uh, years ago, I was preaching down in Florida, and a man and his wife came to the service, and afterwards, they said, um, Brother Jerry, we understand you've always wanted to go to the Indy 500. I said, yeah, that was a childhood dream. He said, well, I can make it happen for you. Now, he, was, he was, uh, worked with the Sheriff's Department, the Marion County, Indiana Sheriff's Department, and he worked the Indy 500 every year. And he said, I'd like for you to come to the Indy this year and be my guest. We'll pick you up in a squad car. We'll take you to the 500. Uh, you can get in the, in the uh, gasoline alley. We can get you in the garages. I mean, this is, this is bigger than the dream I had. And so Walt and Pam made that happen for me years ago. Not only did they make it happen to me, for me. But I told them the story about my dad trying to make that happen. They said, ask your dad to come too. So my dad and I both got to go. And we met drivers. We met my childhood heroes, A.J. Foyt, uh, Mario Andretti. I mean, it was amazing. And I got to go every year for several years. And one year when I went, the Marion County, Indiana Sheriff's Department made me an honorary deputy sheriff. I had a badge. I had a ball cap with Marion County, Indiana. They gave me a a 357 pistol with Marion County, Indiana, Sheriff's Department on it. They wouldn't let me carry it, but they gave it to me, praise God. And uh, I still have it, I might say. But Walt and Pam made a dream come true for me and a dream come true for my dad. And I, I will never forget that. And Walt... I know you've been going through some major struggles in your health. And I'm praying for you right now. I have been praying for you. And I'm praying for you and standing with you and believing God for a miracle in your body. And from what I understand, it is going to take a miracle. So, Walt, please know your friend, Jerry Savelle, is standing with you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. I want to praise God for it. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Now, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to open them first of all to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. There's something else I need to do before I start reading Ephesians. A little over three years ago, as many of you have heard me share the testimony, I had a major stroke. And in the natural, I was never to be normal again. I was never uh, to be able to take care of myself. Uh, Total memory loss. uh, Lost the use of my right arm. Partial use of my right leg. Uh, They said I was going to have to go to a a special clinic and go through this chamber and spend up to four hours a day to try to rebuild the brain cells. And uh, uh, in the natural there was not any chance of me ever traveling again or ever preaching again. But God, hallelujah, God brought deliverance to me, brought healing to me, and restored my health. And within a matter of a few weeks, I was preaching all over the world, and I hadn't let up since. The only thing was, uh, when they put the breathing apparatus into my throat, and they took it out, They had to do it one more time. And the second time they did it, they scarred my vocal cords. And in the natural, I wasn't going to be able to to speak with a very loud voice, um, not more than a whisper. But God, once again, uh, brought a healing to me. Now, I want to tell you this. I preach every sermon I preach today by faith. I have to preach by faith. In the natural, I struggle every time I get ready to go to the pulpit. I started to say the bullpen. I wanted to play baseball too. But anyway, uh, the the pulpit. Uh, Before I go to the pulpit, I have to believe God for strength in my vocal cords. And I get the sermon out, sometimes it's a struggle, but I am not going to allow the devil to defeat me. Like brother Copeland says, that'll be the day. Amen. No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit by and say, well, I can't preach anymore because it's hard for me to speak. I'm going to preach. I am going to finish my course. Amen. And if I have to drink water four or five times or I have to clear my throat or, or I have to spray it with something then I'm going to get my sermon out Amen. Now, I said that because as I was sitting over there listening to the praise and worship and participating, I felt there are other people that are watching right now who have gone through a surgery of some kind, maybe not like what I did, but you have never completely been restored. You're still believing for it. And I want to stretch my hand out toward you right now. And if you are believing for restoration, for your health, after a surgery, then stretch your hand out toward mine. In the name of Jesus. Now, let me remind you of this. The book of James says, pray ye one for another that you might be healed. So I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to believe that healing will come back on me and on my voice, praise God. Amen. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over every person that has their hand outstretched toward me while I'm praying this prayer. And in the name of Jesus, I believe that you are the great healer. You are the one who restores. You are the one who brings back uh, to uh, normal. And you are the one who makes even better than normal. And so I pray that in Jesus name for the healing and the restoration of every person believing for it, watching this broadcast right now in Jesus name and lift your hands and just say, amen. I receive it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Now I can promise you from walking over there to walking up here, my voice is already stronger. Hallelujah. So, just lift your hands one more time and say, and I'm getting stronger. I'm getting stronger. Hallelujah, and praise God for it. Amen. amen? Glory to God. All right, amen. Well, I'm glad I got that done. Hallelujah. I helped you, and I helped myself. Praise God. Amen. Now, Ephesians chapter 1, and let's begin reading in verse 4. <clears throat> According as he hath chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. In whom? Now, watch this verse very closely. In whom we, I want you to say out loud, we. we. And they'll say, we includes, me. we includes me. Say it again. We, we. includes we. me. So uh, Paul is talking about you now. So notice he says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now, I want you to notice we have redemption through His blood. Let me ask you this question. When will I receive my redemption? And when will I receive my forgiveness from sins? When I die and go to heaven? Or while I'm on the earth? Well, the answer to that is very simple. I receive redemption while I'm here on the earth. The moment I made Jesus and the moment you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you received the redemption that he had already bought and paid for nearly 2,000 years ago. Amen. You're not going to be redeemed when you get to heaven. You're redeemed now. Hallelujah. You're not going to be forgiven when you get to heaven. You're forgiven now. Can you say amen? So the answer to the question, when will I receive this redemption? And when will I receive this forgiveness? It's not when I get to heaven. I receive it right now. It's mine now. In fact, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So I'm saying so. I am redeemed. Say it with me. I am redeemed. And then add the words right now. Amen. Now, notice if we drop down to verse 11, I'd like to read all of this, but for the sake of time. And I got a lot of material to cover. Let's drop down to verse 11. Notice it starts off with, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Now I want to ask you the same question. When do I get my inheritance? When I die and go to heaven? Or while I'm on the earth? Well, the answer is the same as the first time I asked that question. I'm not going to get my inheritance when I get to heaven. I'm going to get my inheritance while I'm here on the earth. My inheritance belongs to me right now. You know, I mean, you just stop and think about it. When a person that perhaps your mom or dad, when they die, if they left a will and in that will left you an inheritance, when do you get it? When you die or when they die? It's when they die. I mean, how are you going to enjoy your inheritance your folks left you after you die? Somebody else will get it. I don't want anybody else having my inheritance. Amen. You know, when, when my, my parents passed away, they left my sister and I an inheritance. Now, they were not wealthy people and, and they didn't have a lot to leave, but they did leave us something. Amen. And we got it. When they died I'm not going to get my inheritance from my family When I die I got it when they died Amen And you and I have an inheritance And we got it When Jesus died And the beautiful thing about it is Jesus is the only person in existence Who left a will With an inheritance For those he left behind Which is me and you And he was raised from the dead to make sure his will was left and carried out just like he wrote it. He was the executor of his own will. Amen. Nobody else has ever done that. Amen. But you have an inheritance. Say, I have an inheritance. Come on, say it loud. I have an inheritance. And it's mine right now. Can you say amen? Now, let's make it clear. That Paul is telling us That we already have redemption We already are forgiven from sins And we already have an inheritance But here's my next question Why aren't most Christians Enjoying it I'll tell you why Because they all want to put it off till they get to heaven You know there's a lot of Christians That are still saying Well you know Boy when we get to heaven We're going to have this Heavenly inheritance. And boy, when we get to heaven, are we going to enjoy that heavenly banquet that David spoke about in Psalm 23? Well, you need to go read Psalm 23 once again because that is not a heavenly banquet. Come on, let's read it. Go Psalm 23. Some of you are looking at me. I can tell you looking at me right now, like, where do you get that? It is not a heavenly banquet. Now there is a heavenly banquet, But in Psalm 23, this is describing a banquet that takes place someplace else. So let's find out where this banquet is. Notice it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Um, I didn't know there was a valley of the shadow of death in heaven. So apparently we're not talking about heaven here. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table. Now, here's where the people who say that kind of thing. Oh, here he's going to be talking about our heavenly banquet. Oh, hallelujah. When we get to heaven, we're going to have a heavenly banquet. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Our enemy is the devil. And the last I heard, he's not going to heaven. Thank God for that. Amen. So this is not a heavenly banquet. God is saying he has prepared a table for us right down here on earth, right in front of the devil. And the devil can't do anything about it. He has to sit there and watch us stuff ourselves. Hallelujah. Amen. And I notice that a lot of you are not coming to the table. And you know what's happening? Brother Copeland, Brother Jesse, Brother Creflo, uh, Brother Keith Moore, and Jerry Savell. We're eating your stuff. Because you're not coming to the table. Amen. No, this is not a heavenly banquet. It's an earthly banquet. Amen. Yes, we are going to have a a banquet one day in the sweet by and by. But Psalm 23 is not describing a heavenly banquet. It's a banquet that has been set before us right here in the earth. Amen? God has already arranged for you and I to experience great blessings while we're here on the earth. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. So, so many Christians are not enjoying what belongs to them simply because. They keep putting it off till they get to heaven. I want it now. In fact, I need it now. Amen. I need it now. And particularly right now. There's never been a time where we need to enjoy our heavenly, our our, our, our earthly banquet than right now. Praise God. So my invitation to you is this. Come to the table. (laughs) Come on to the table. Hallelujah. There's a place for you. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? Now, I want you to go with me, if you will, to Ephesians once again, Ephesians chapter 1, and let's look at verse 4. According as he hath chosen us before the foundation of the earth. I love reading that. Chosen. I like being chosen. I, I, I wrote a definition here for chosen. And one of its meanings is one who has been given preference. Amen. One who has been given preference. You know, I, when, I, when I read this several times this past week, and, and the Lord gave me this message back several days ago and told me I wasn't supposed to preach today. Brother Justin, Pastor Justin was. I called him. I said, I, I, I'd like to have the service today. And, and the Lord gave me this. It's for you, praise God. And, and as I was meditating on this and thinking about it, and, and every time I read that, he had chosen us. I couldn't help but think of all the wonderful times in my life that I've been chosen for something special. I, I don't know why I am God's favorite child. Well, I know you you qualify as well, but he certainly makes me feel like I must be his favorite child. And, you know, I have walked in the favor of God. I learned about it in 1969, but I was actually enjoying it even before I came to Christ. I was always getting chosen. I mean, it just seemed like they picked me out in the crowd to do something special. You know, when I was growing up, we had a state fair, you know, a lot of, a lot of places have a state fair. And I grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana. I was born in Mississippi. And then we moved to Shreveport, Louisiana every year. Uh, I believe around September, October, they had a state fair. And, uh, and I think after they left Shreveport, they came to Dallas and, uh, every year at the state fair, they would bring in a celebrity. And usually it was, it was a, uh, one of the TV or movie stars who was a famous cowboy movie star, uh, you know, like Roy Rogers or Gene Autry or, or somebody like that. And a lot of you are looking at, I never heard of those people. Well, you're not 73. And, uh, but anyway, uh, this particular year, and this guy was my favorite, one of my favorite cowboys, his name was Lash LaRue. And Lash LaRue, he dressed in all black and had silver studs in his hat and a silver studded belt and he had two six guns on his hip, but he also had a bullwhip, pow! And boy, if he didn't shoot you, he popped you. you. know. And he was just the coolest cowboy I believe I'd ever seen. And every Saturday morning, Lash LaRue would come on and I could hardly wait to watch Lash LaRue. Well, he was gonna be the special guest that particular year at the State Fair. And I could hardly wait for my dad to take me to the State Fair and, and my sister and and, uh, and and we all, the family all went. And we got in that that tent where they had this special showing of Lash LaRue and he'd do tricks with that whip, you know. And uh, there, there had to be at least 1,000, 1,500 kids under that big tent. And Lash LaRue came out and boy he popped that whip and he was popping paper out of people's hands and, and, and all kind of tricks, you know. And finally he stopped me and he said, I need a volunteer for this next trick. And every kid in there, especially every little boy, raised their hand. Pick me, Lashlero, pick me. I was standing up as tall as I could get, had my hands raised up, and out of fifteen hundred kids, I was chosen. And they brought me on the stage. I got to meet Lash LaRue. Got to meet his sidekick. He was called Fuzzy Q. And, and Fuzzy Q. <laughs> Fuzzy Q. He told me what to do. And he, they put paper in my hand. And Lash LaRue popped it out. They put a stick in my mouth. And he popped it out. Then they had me put one under here. And I'm, I'm thought, Oh boy, that hurt if he hit me, you know. And he popped that stick behind me. And, and after it was over with, he gave me a, a watch with his picture in it. And he gave me an autographed picture, Lash LaRue. I could hardly wait to go to school the next day. I brought my picture and I brought my watch. And if you didn't ask to see it, I demanded that you see it. You know? How did you get chosen? Well, you know, I thought it was luck back then. But it was favor. And I didn't know it was the favor of God. But things would happen to me like that all the time. My dad had a, a, a brother, a younger brother, who was a professional wrestler. And dad loved wrestling. and I loved it too. And we'd go the on Monday nights, downtown Shreveport, Louisiana, every, nearly every Monday night for the wrestling matches. And there was a guy uh, that was the uh, champion, heavyweight champion, that I just thought was... You know, the coolest guy in the world. He wasn't a cowboy, but he was cool. And he was a professional wrestler. And he had trained my uncle. And sometimes they would tag team. And so uh, we'd go to the auditorium and places packed out with people, screaming people, you know. And uh, my uncle Johnny would invite us or he would arrange for us to go into the dressing room before the match started. And there was, there was the champion sitting there with my uncle. I'm just standing there as a little boy, just looking up at him, you know, and just couldn't wipe the smile off my face. Couldn't believe I was in the same room with my hero wrestling champion. And so after the introduction, we walked out and they arranged for us to have a front row seat. And when the champion walked out, he had on this jacket. Had his name on the back and, you know, and had all this fancy stuff on it. And when he walked past me, he took his jacket off and said, hold that, Jerry. And I held his jacket. Every kid, every old man, every old woman in that place wished they were me. But I was chosen. I got to do things like that all my life. Dad would... Would, would, if, he didn't, if he wasn't racing, he was working in the pit with the pit crew on cars during the race. Now, I got to be in the pit crew. And every year there was a, a race, a stock car race that came to Shreveport, raced at the fairground raceway. And dad was always working in the pits for this champion driver. His name was Ernie Durr, and he drove Pontiacs. My dad worked at the Pontiac dealership. So I got to go to the races with my dad, got to meet Ernie Durr, and after he'd win the feature race, he'd stop the car to get the checkered flag, and then he'd do like this, and I'd look around and see who he was doing that to, and he'd point to me. And he'd have me sit in the car with him and drive around one lap, and I'd hold the flag out the window for the victory lap. I was chosen. Come on, Justin, come and touch me. They'd be all right. Yeah, see, this will get on you, boy. Amen. I was chosen. God was always doing things like that for me. But when I found out that I've been chosen by God, come on, come on. since the foundation of the earth, that means I was chosen. You were chosen by God before you were ever born. Before I was ever born, before the foundation of the earth, from your mother's womb, you were chosen. Hallelujah I remember when I announced to my parents in nineteen sixty nine I owned an automotive business back in those days, and uh, uh, my dad was so proud of me uh, he'd want to own he'd wanted to own his own business all of his life, but he just never quite Got to the place where he could do it. I owned my own business by the time I was 21 years old. I'm doing exactly what my dad always wanted to do. And he was so proud of me. But then I heard the call of God as I, uh, uh, in 1969. Actually, I heard the call in 1957, but I didn't answer it or accept it until 1969. And, of course, first people I wanted to tell was my parents. I went down to their home and uh, I said, uh, I need to tell you something. I'm shutting my business down and I'm preparing to go into the ministry. I'm going to be a preacher. I thought I'd have to pick my parents off the ground. And they just looked at me and grinned and said, well, son, that doesn't surprise us. I said, what do you mean it doesn't surprise you? You've never heard me talk about wanting to be a preacher or going into the ministry. They said, oh, well, we just never told you this story. But the day you were born, your grandmother, your dad's mother, held you in her arms just a few minutes later and looked up at us and said, this boy will preach. They never told me that story. But God had chosen me. What a privilege it is to be chosen. Amen. I think you ought to lift your hands right now and say, thank you, Father, for choosing me. Now, you may not have been chosen to be in the fivefold ministry, but you have been chosen to be a child of the living God. Amen. And you do have a ministry. You have the ministry of reconciliation. You need to tell the world, you need to tell somebody the goodness of God and how that God uh, uh, gave his only son to redeem them from their sin. Amen. But just to think, That you're chosen by God. Say it again. I'm chosen. chosen. Now, I want you to understand you were chosen to experience redemption. You were chosen to receive an inheritance. Hallelujah. Amen. And once again, you're not going to get that inheritance when you get to heaven. It's yours right now. Amen. I want to challenge you. If you haven't begun to enjoy your inheritance, then make a decision you're going to begin today. Hallelujah. Because that inheritance is wonderful. You know, somebody asked me uh, after my dad passed away. I was out in Phoenix, Arizona, preaching. And and, uh, this man that I was preaching where he knew my dad. He said, uh, Brother Jerry, what did your dad leave you when he died as an inheritance? I just smiled real big and I said, The ability to drive fast. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. My dad saw to it, I never owned anything slow. Praise God. All right, now notice once again, he had chosen us. Now, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And once again, I'm not going to become a child of God. When I get to heaven, I'm a child of God right now. I'll say it and I'm going to keep saying it throughout this message. Your inheritance is waiting for you. I said your inheritance is waiting for you. Now, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And let's look at verse 12. <clears throat> now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know. Now, listen very closely. Paul is endeavoring to get you to understand what belongs to you. Which we have received, the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things. Everybody say, the things that are freely given to us of God. The things that are freely given to us of God. I'm going to say it again. The things that are freely given to us of God. And we're not talking about when we get to heaven. They belong to us right now. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, another phrase for given to us. Would be conferred upon us. And still another phrase. Would be bestowed upon us. Amen. God has already given. God has already conferred. And God has already bestowed upon us. Everything. That we will ever need. To live a life of victory. While we're here on the earth. Praise God. I think that's shouting ground. Praise the Lord. I'm going to say it to you once again. God has already given, conferred, and bestowed upon us everything we will ever need to live a life of victory while we're here on the earth. And no one can take it away from us, praise God. And particularly not the devil. I often refer to the things that are freely given to us as divine benefits. Divine benefits. Amen. The psalmist once wrote in Psalm 68, verse 19, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. That means something good should be happening to me every day of my life. Something good should be happening to you every day of your life. Benefits should be coming your way. I remember Oral Roberts was standing out in my front yard, just short distance from this auditorium, right now. A number of years ago, standing in my front yard, and he said, "Jerry, blessings are coming at you every day. They'll either pass you by, or you'll receive them." I said, "Well, I don't want any blessing passing me by." Amen. Won't you put your hands out right now and say this, Lord? Lord. I receive. Take it in. I receive every blessing you've prepared for me. Lord, I receive every benefit you've prepared for me. Lord, I receive every good thing you've prepared for me. I take it. I receive it. And I thank you for it. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Divine benefits. And once again, blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. I like to say it this way. I'm supposed to be loaded. <laughs> Amen. I'm supposed to be loaded. In another Psalm, the Psalmist asked this question. Psalm 116 verse 12. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? In other words, the word render means to pay back. And the Passion Translation I actually says it this way. So now, what can I ever give back to God to repay him for the blessings he's poured out on me? What can I ever give back to God for all the blessings, the benefits that he has poured out on me? Well, the answer to that is you could never repay God enough. But he will receive your love. Hallelujah. And he will receive your gratitude. Can you say amen? So these are just a few of the scriptures and there are many, many more. And I don't have time to cover them all, but I would like to encourage you to do some studying and find out the scriptures that reveal to you what God has already provided. Amen. And, and every time you read one that talks about what God's provided... Just stop right then and just lift your hands and say, thank you for this blessing, Lord. I receive it. Amen. Amen. Now, God is the greatest giver that you will ever meet in your lifetime. The greatest giver. I I have a reputation as a giver. Uh, Kenneth Copeland, I've known him for 51 years and he has a reputation as a giver. But there is no one that can match God's giving. Amen. He's a giver. He's the great giver. Amen. And he will never abandon you. Not during a coronavirus. Not during any other crisis. Not during any other uh, onslaught of the enemy. He will never abandon you. Amen. God has arranged for you to have everything that you need. Not only... When you got born again, but while you've been living for him, right in the middle of a crisis, in the days ahead, the years ahead, God has already arranged for everything that you need as you serve him for the rest of your life. Amen. It's not a question of whether or not God wants to do it for you. The question is, will you receive what he's done? Amen. Will you receive what he's done? You know, if somebody's trying to give you a gift and you keep saying, oh, I don't deserve it, Uh, I I really can't take that. Well, you can't go around saying nobody ever gives me anything. Somebody just tried to and you wouldn't receive it. Amen. God's been trying to give gifts to you all of your life. But are you receiving them? Now, if God wants to give me something, he don't have to talk me into it. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, gimme, gimme. And my name's not Jimmy. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's Jerry. I receive it, praise God. Whatever you want to give me, Lord, I receive it. Hallelujah. You know, I'm believing for certain things right now. And, and there's certain things I've been believing for for a long, long time. And if someone came up to me and said, God told me to give you this. I'm not going to say, I'm so unworthy. I don't deserve it. I said, bring it to me. Did you bring it with you? Get it in my hands now. If not now, as soon as possible. I'm not going to turn it down. Hallelujah. And you know, sometimes people get upset with you for being blessed. You know, it's amazing to me. Nobody said anything critical about me when I didn't have anything. When I was believing for everything. Nobody put my name in a book. And criticized me. Nobody preached. And put my name in their sermon. And criticized me. When I didn't have anything. But now. When I have received. What God says. He wanted to give me. And what he said belongs to me. As a child. And as a chosen one, oh, do I catch a lot of flack now. You know. But. You know, I'm not going to stop receiving Just because somebody else is critical I'm not going to stop receiving Just because somebody else doesn't understand it Amen If God wants me to have it I'm going to receive it And I'm going to thank Him for it And I'm going to keep on receiving As long as He wants to keep on giving Praise God Can you say amen Now, listen to how Peter says this In 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 According to As His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now notice He said all things that pertain to life. And He's not talking about life on the other side. He's not talking about life when we get to heaven. He's talking about life down here. Notice He has given unto us All things that pertain to life. You know, Jesus talked about the essentials for life on earth. Food, clothing, and shelter. He said, we don't even have to to pursue those things like the Gentiles do. We just put God first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. And he was talking about material things will be added to you besides. Amen. So Peter says, he has given unto us all things that pertain to life. Does food pertain to life? Does clothing pertain to life? Does housing pertain to life? Does an automobile pertain to life? Does finances pertain to life? Does good health pertain to life? It's all been provided, praise God. You know what I'm talking about? God's stimulus package. Hallelujah. I I was sitting out at uh, Eagle Mountain Church uh, uh, with with Brother Copeland. And uh, we were doing that Sacramento uh, victory campaign uh, on live stream. And I was sitting there listening to Brother Copeland. And after the service, I got in my car to drive back home. And on the way home. I heard this phrase. The next time you preach, talk about my stimulus package. Tell them God has a stimulus package. This is it. Hallelujah. And you know, and I, 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 I've heard a lot and you've heard a lot since around May the 15th, you know, a few months ago about this stimulus package. Now, before I talk a little more about that. Let me read the Passion Translation for 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Everything that we could ever need for life has already been deposited in us by his divine power. Everything that we could ever need for life has already been deposited in us by his divine power. So why don't we just receive it? It's ours. Why don't we just receive it? If God has already provided this inheritance for us, then why don't we just receive it? If he's already provided this stimulus package for us, why don't we just receive it? I'll say it again. Your inheritance is waiting for you. Amen. Now, let's go back to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I want to read verse 12 once again. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. The Amplified Bible says that we might realize, comprehend, and appreciate. I love that. That we might realize comprehend, and appreciate. So the apostle Paul is telling us that God wants us to fully grasp all the things that belong to us right now. Not when we get to heaven, but right now. Amen. And the word comprehend not only means to grasp, but to also apprehend. And the word apprehend implies to take hold of. Amen, to take hold of. You know, if uh, if, if I had, uh, um, i tell you what. Pastor Philip, come up here if you would. You've been chosen. Thank God. Amen. This is Pastor Philip, one of our pastors here at Heritage of Faith. Pastor Philip, I'd like to give you, Will you receive it? I'll receive it. Look at there. He's already got his hand out. He's receiving it. It's yours. Thank you. You've been chosen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You can take your seat. Hey, and by the way, you can do anything you want to with it. Thank you. You can can give it away. Or you can buy lunch with it. Buy lunch with it. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. He's going to treat his wife to lunch. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So notice apprehend means to take hold of. Do you notice when I said to pastor, I want to give you a gift. His hand went out. What is that indicating? He's he's about to take hold of it. When are you going to take hold of your inheritance? When are you going to take hold of your stimulus package? It already belongs to you. Can you say amen? Now, once again, the word comprehend not only means to grasp, but also to apprehend, which implies to take hold of. So in other words, receive it and enjoy it. Receive it and enjoy it. You know, my my grandfather, my dad's dad, the only new automobile he ever owned in his life, my dad had to talk him into buying it cuz he wouldn't spend any money. He went through the depression and and uh he, he never got depression out of him. And uh he was somewhat of a miser. And dad finally had to talk him into buying a new truck. He was still driving a 1939 Chevrolet in 1960. And and dad talked him into buying a new truck. And and my grandpa bought this 1960 Apache 10 pickup Brand new And he was so afraid That he was going to scratch it up That he asked me to drive it back From Shreveport To Vicksburg, Mississippi Now I wasn't old enough To have a driver's license I'm 14 years old I don't even have a driver's license yet And grandpa sat on the right side And I sat on the left side Driving his truck And the steering wheel was so big I had to look between the steering wheel And the dash to see the road and it was standard shift. And when I reached down to put on the clutch, push the clutch in, I had to look down and then raise back up real quick, make sure I didn't run off the road. And I drove that truck 187 miles to Vicksburg, Mississippi. And when we got there, he put it in the barn, locked it up, and wouldn't drive it. He went back to driving that old car because he was afraid he was going to scratch it up. Well, he died in 1960. Four, 64, yeah. And uh, uh, he's got this truck that he didn't have very many miles on. And my dad got it. And then dad said, son, you always thought the world of that old truck. He said, I want to give it to you. I want to live to see you enjoy it. I still have that truck. It's like a brand new truck. It's only got, it's a 1960 and it's only got less than 60,000 miles on it. Original miles Now I didn't say now dad I'm so unworthy I said where's the keys <laughs> Where are the keys I want it now And I still have it And and it's not for sale praise God I not only apprehended it I not only Took hold of it But another thing is I appreciate it That's the reason it's not for sale I think if anybody else in my family would have got that truck, it'd be in a junk pile right now. It'd be in a wrecking yard or it'd already been rusted out or crushed. But I'm the one who appreciated it the most. And I still appreciate it. You know, I think that's one of the problems with a lot of members of the body of Christ. They don't appreciate enough what God does for them. They're always talking about what they need. They're always talking about what they want. Very seldom do you hear them talking about, man, I really appreciate what God did. I really appreciate what God gave me. I really appreciate it. I can't thank God enough for what he's already done. You know, I'm not going to focus on what I don't have. I'm going to thank God for what he's already done. Praise God. That'll position you to receive more from him just by being thankful. Having an attitude of gratitude. Amen. And I'm sorry to say, not enough of God's people have an attitude of gratitude. So before we go any further, uh, let's let's just do something. What do you say? How about lifting your hands right now and say, God, thank you for what you've already done. And in your own way, give him praise for it. Show some gratitude. Praise God. Amen. Appreciate the inheritance that God's already arranged for you. And appreciate what he's already done. I right, now going back to 1 Corinthians 2.12. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. The Passion Translation uses this phrase. Lavished upon us. Lavished upon us. I like the sound of that. I wrote down some words that are synonymous with the word lavish. One of them is profusely, extravagantly, unsparingly. God has lavishly, profusely, extravagantly, and unsparingly blessed us in all things. Will you receive it? Hallelujah. Now... Romans chapter eight and verse 32 says, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I think some of you are finding out today that this phrase, all things and given freely to us is appears in the Bible quite frequently. Uh, You ought to read it. All things. God. If, if God gave his own son, what else would he be willing to give? Now, his son was the best gift we could ever receive. But in addition to his own son, what else is God willing to give? What else is included in God's stimulus package? Now, the Amplified says, he did not withhold or spare And the message translation says, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? Hallelujah. Our God is a giving God. Our God gives freely. Hallelujah. Our God is not the one who withholds. Our God is not the one who holds back. Our God is not the one who enjoys watching his children suffer. Our God has promised to supply all our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The Amplified says, filled to the full our every need. And the Message Translation says, he, "He, his generosity exceeds even yours. Hallelujah. He's the greatest giver you've ever met. Amen. And no matter how much you've already received from him, the best is yet to come. Amen. So don't, don't, don't have this attitude where is god in all of this he's still right where he left where you left him <laughs> amen and he's still the giving god and he's still the god that blesses amen and amen now in 1st timothy chapter 6 and verse 17 paul says this to his son in the lord timothy charge them that are rich in this world That they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. Now, boy, there's a lot of people finding that out right now. You can't trust in uncertain riches. You know, I mean, entire bank accounts are being wiped out. Entire trust funds are being wiped out. Entire uh, 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 resources are being wiped out. You can't trust in uncertain riches. He goes on to say, but in the living God. That's where our trust should be, in the living God. Then he adds this, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. My goodness, some of you didn't even know these scriptures were in the Bible. And I'm telling you about all these scriptures where he uses the phrase, given to us freely, all things. How many more times does he have to say it? The word says, let every word be established out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. I've already given you a number of witnesses that God has already provided everything you will ever need while you're on this earth, even in a crisis. Somebody give him a shout, praise God. Amen. Now, richly implies opulence, plenteously. Abundantly. Psalm 23, 5. We read a portion of it earlier. It talks about opulence, plenteous, abundance. My cup runneth over. <laughs> Doesn't that talk about plenty, more than enough? My cup runneth over. Amen. God is bigger than a crisis. God Is bigger. God is greater than coronavirus. God is bigger than the government. God is bigger than any stimulus package they could offer you. God has a better one. Hallelujah. And it's free. Praise the Lord. You don't have to pay it back. All you need to do is just love him. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Glory be to God. Now, the message translation says, for 1 Timothy 6, 17, Tell them to go after God who piles on us all the riches we could ever manage. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. My, what a God we serve. Didn't I tell you He's the greatest giver? All the blessings that He piles on us. Amen. Now, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 2. This time I'm going to read verse nine. But as it is written, for I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. There are things that we're already enjoying. There are things that you're going to start enjoying from this day forward. And even things that we haven't even heard about yet. That our eyes have not seen, our ears have not heard, and it hasn't even entered into our heart. And the only way that we could know all the things that God has already provided and has made arrangement for, the only way we could know it, it had to be revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. Yes. Amen. God wants us to know the things which He has prepared for us. What does prepared mean? Made ready beforehand. It also means made provision for God has already made provision for everything you're going to need while you're going through this crisis. Hallelujah. The passion translation says he has it in store and the message translation says what God has arranged for those that love him. He's arranged it. It's already, it's already been provided for. Amen. He doesn't have to invent it real quick. It's already been arranged. Hallelujah. Amen. In fact, I'm going to say it again. God has arranged a fabulous stimulus package for you. Will you receive it? Praise God. Amen. Now, as as I said earlier, we've all heard about stimulus package over the last couple of months or so. What does it mean? What is a stimulus package? Well, one of the meanings is something that arouses hope. Something that has been arranged for that arouses hope. See, that's what a lot of people right now in the U.S. and around the world need more than anything else. Hope. People are losing hope. They're, 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 they're losing uh, an excitement about the future. They don't know whether their future is as bright as the, they thought it was going to be just a few months later. And, and don't misunderstand me, folks. I'm not, I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm not putting down anybody. But my hope is in God yes. and in His Word. And when I find scriptures like I've been sharing with you this morning in the Word, then that is a hope builder. My hope right now is higher than a Georgia pine tree, praise God. Hallelujah. And God has been faithful to us. He'd been faithful to me. he has been faithful to this ministry through all this. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, you're talking about appreciation. I'm getting more notes from my staff about how much they appreciate me now than I ever have before. Because I didn't lay anybody off. I didn't cut anybody's pay. I had them working less hours and nobody's going to lose their job. Hallelujah. And boy, am I receiving notes of appreciation. Hallelujah. Well, God would appreciate a note. Tell him often, Lord, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate the stimulus package that you have arranged for me. Oh, that's so good, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank Him often for it. All right, now, as we prepare to wrap this up, we're going back to 1 Corinthians two twelve again. I'm not going not to let you off the hook yet. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible this time. Now, we have not received the Spirit that belongs to the world, but the Holy Spirit, which is from God, given to us that we might realize and comprehend And appreciate. Now, listen to this the gifts of divine favor and blessing so freely and lavishly bestowed on us by God. Oh, hallelujah. That's the stimulus package I've been trying to get to. Hallelujah. Let me say it again that we might realize and comprehend and appreciate the gifts of divine favor. And blessing so freely and lavishly bestowed on us by God. I want you to write down in your notes right now. In fact, you ought to write it in your Bible somewhere. God's stimulus package includes gifts of divine favor and blessing. Hallelujah. Gifts of divine favor and blessing. And if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 14, you'll find all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. And Galatians chapter 3, Paul says that now that we belong to Christ, we're an heir according to the promise, and these blessings belong to us. And I want to categorize them as being, number one, exaltation. Number two, health. Number three, prosperity. Number four, a life of victory. And number five, God's favor. That's God's stimulus package. Hallelujah. And it belongs to you. Not when you get to heaven, but right now. Somebody stand up and give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And while you're standing, let me give you something else to shout about. Years ago. Now, You've heard me say this many times. I didn't learn this from man. I didn't learn it from another preacher. God revealed it to me back in 1969. I've seen a lot of of preachers use it. I've seen it in other books by other preachers. I didn't get it from somebody's book. I got it by revelation of Jesus Christ. God gave me way back there when I never heard anybody else teach on the favor of God. And he, he said, one day your name will be known around the world for the favor of God that's on your life. And I'll hold you responsible for teaching other people how to walk in it as you do. And that's been my signature message all these years. I've preached more messages on the favor of God, produced more books, more resources than any other preacher in our generation on the subject of the favor of God. Now, I want to close it out with this. And if you don't have time to write it down, and I'm sure you won't. you can go on our website and and just look up 10 major benefits of walking in divine favor. And here they are. Number one, this is part of your stimulus package. The favor of God produces supernatural increase and promotion. The favor of God produces restoration of everything the enemy has stolen from you. The favor of God will honor you in the midst of your adversaries. Number four, the favor of God uh, will increase your assets, especially in the area of real estate. Number five, the favor of God will produce great victories that you don't even have to fight for. Number six, the favor of God causes you to receive recognition, even when you seem the least likely to receive it. Number seven, seven, the favor of God produces prominence and preferential treatment. Number eight, the favor of God uh, brings petitions granted by even ungodly evil authorities. Number eight, or number nine, uh, the favor of God changes policies, rules, and regulations in your favor, amen, and even reverse to your advantage. And then number ten, the favor of God produces battles won on your behalf that you don't even have to fight yourself. Come on, give the Lord a good shout. That is God's stimulus package for you. Lift your hands and say, Lord, I receive it and give him your best shout. Amen. Come on, pastor.